It's June the 16th, we're reading through the Bible. Our Old Testament reading is found in Nehemiah, chapters one through three, so we're into a new book today. This is uh, 444 BC, the Persian king in charge now. Remember, Babylon has been overthrown, uh, and the Persian king is Artaxerxes. Nehemiah is the key player in this book. He is finding himself now in Mesopotamia as the cupbearer to the king. And in chapter one, he starts to think about and pray about and is concerned about the destruction of Jerusalem that has now been lying there for 70 years in need of repair, the walls of the city that is. And so he's gonna go back, Ezra of course, and Zerubbabel, we've seen the temple foundation laid and the temple completed in chapter six of Ezra. And now we're going to see the walls built in an amazing situation, record time. But the first chapter is about him having the passion for this, the second chapter about him asking asking for uh, the resources and the permission to go. He goes back and then by chapter three, we start rebuilding. We're seeing sections of the walls being described and people assigned to the work. And so this is a great um, restoration project that God is overseeing and the good hand of God is upon Nehemiah and the uh, Jews who are going back now to do the work of rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, which is imperative. Uh, we have in our New Testament reading, we're in Acts chapter two, and we're just in the first 13 verses, so very short section. But uh, look at this miraculous situation, uh, formerly the birth of the church, the spirit was said to be with the apostles, but now he's going to be in them. He's going to be in them and the descriptive of a relationship with God being so close, it's as though God were in you and that's the picture. I mean, that's the way it's described. And that closeness is the promise of our future inheritance when the Spirit of God indwells us. There's a promise of us being part of that kingdom. And so this is a mark of the real Christianity that is going to be supervised throughout the book of Acts by the apostles. The first one is done with this miraculous sign of uh, sound and sight, the sound of the rushing wind. It didn't say it was windy. It says it sounded like a rushing wind. And then this uh, sight of this some kind of uh, something that looked like flames coming down on the heads of these folks and the miracle of them being enabled to speak to where everyone who had come to the uh, Feast of Pentecost here uh, was able to hear them in their own languages. So this was this gift of, of, of languages that was given to them and all these people from all these different nations that are listed there in the beginning of chapter two are being able to hear this and recognize this is not normal. This is not an unusual, this is not a usual event. This is an unusual event, a miraculous event. So uh, this is the birth of the church in an exciting section here in Acts chapter two, verses one through 13. Okay, our community imperative, our community command for us to care about each other in a particular way is found today in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 28, uh, actually just 28, Ephesians 4, 28. And here's how it reads. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So here's our community imperative. It may sound like it doesn't apply to you, but I want you to think about it now. Don't steal anything, share everything. Don't steal anything, share everything. There is our community imperative. And I want you to think about all the ways that as a non-Christian, when you think that there's no accountability to God or you're not even concerned about accountability with God, you have no indwelling spirit to give you that sense of wanting to live a holy life the way that God would have you live it, not when people's eye is on you, but in any case, in any situation, uh, then we go from trying to take, 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 
stake and get every advantage we can, uh, and we do that all the time, even if you're not a, a you know a shoplifter or some kind of armed robber, which I hope none of you are, but uh, it's easy for us to steal time at work. It's easy for us to steal opportunities or to steal advantages, and all of those are a way of greedily going after the things that everyone seems to go after in the world, and if they can get away with it, they will. We, on the other hand, are supposed to be the people that no longer do that, but instead we are generous. We're giving. We're giving anything that we can, like in work. That's just that example from Colossians. We talk about doing our work heartily. We don't do it to please the people that just see us. I mean, we're going to supersede their expectations. We're going to live for God. And I think about work. You should be giving generously. You should be giving more to your company, to your job, to your boss, to the people uh, than what they expect that you would give. Uh, you're generous. You're ready to share. If there's a need, you meet that need. Uh, talk about stealing opportunities or advantages. We're giving opportunity and we're giving advantage to other people. These are the things that we do as Christians. So I want you to think community imperative, particularly as it relates to how we deal with one another. That's been our focus throughout this whole time is that we're thinking about how we can, instead of taking, 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 we can seek to give and generously give at that as generously as we possibly can. So there's our community imperative, Nehemiah chapters one through three and the first 13 verses of Acts two will be back tomorrow as we continue to read through the Old and New Testaments. 